Hello and welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. In this podcast, we try to help you to improve your English by listening to native speakers talking about different subjects. And we also hope that you'll learn something about life in this country. Now, last week we were talking about the seasons, the seasons and the weather. And uh, we said then that we've just started the spring here. We're recording this at the beginning of March. And so it's the spring. And that's the time when flowers and trees start to come out. And so we thought that this time we'd talk a bit about that, a bit about nature and particularly about wildlife in the UK. So by wildlife, we mean uh, anything that is that lives or grows in this country naturally. That is without humans having to do anything for them. So we'll talk a bit about uh, wild animals, about birds, about plants, trees, wild flowers, that kind of thing. Now, there are an awful lot of these, so we can't cover everything. So we are going to talk a little bit about the kind of wildlife that we know uh, in different parts of the UK. So we're the three of us are all here in Yorkshire in the north of England. Um, but uh, Sheena and Christine are also going to talk about some other parts of the country as well and what's what's different or choose some other things from there. Just a reminder that we do produce a transcript for each episode and that has on it some images, some pictures. So if you are able to get that, the information is at the end of this episode as to how to get hold of those. But we will also do our best to describe in a in a brief way some of the things that we're talking about in case you can't see the images. I'm sure you could also Google them as well and find pictures of the things we're talking about. As I said, I'm joined by Christine and Sheena. So, Christine, how are you today? I'm very well, Mark, very well. I've been hiding indoors cooking today. I've been trying what to... I made flapjack for the very first time, and I'm feeling Ooh. rather proud. You better describe a flapjack. Well, it's a kind of biscuit, quite a large, chunky biscuit, made of oats, mainly. Like porridge yep, oats, that's what I made. And I put dates and uh, in fact, I made it with date syrup. Very nice. Lovely. Sheena, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Mark. Um, I haven't been baking today, but <laughs> I did do my art course. I've, every Friday morning I do an, an art course, and today was about self-portrait, so it was interesting and quite oh, fun. lovely. Lovely. I won't, I won't suggest we put your self-portrait on the website. Oh, but, um... <laughs> please, no. <laughs> OK, so let me kick things off then. That means get started. Um, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about the wildlife that I see around me here in Yorkshire and that I particularly like. So if I start with wild animals, there's not a lot of those that I see here, but I do occasionally see hedgehogs. So a hedgehog is, has got spikes on its back and rolls itself up into a ball when it, to, for protection. I see mice and rats uh, sometimes in my garden. 
We get grey squirrels, lots of them in our garden. So grey squirrels is like a grey mouse-like creature, but with a long bushy tail. I do also see foxes occasionally. And uh, although I live on the edge of a town, increasingly in this country, you do get foxes right in the middle of cities and, and towns as well. Birds, we have a we put a feeder up in our garden to attract the birds and we get lots. We get lots of tits, that's blue tits, great tits, coal tits and long tailed tits. So those are small birds, the blue tits, blue and yellow, the long tailed tits, which, as you can say from the name, have got long wispy tails. We get lots of bullfinches. Those, the male bullfinches, have a bright pink um, kind of breast. And, and we get lots of goldfinches, which I think are my favourite. They're a beautiful yellow and gold colour with little bits of red and white as well. I do occasionally hear an owl, but I, I haven't actually seen an owl. But I do hear them occasionally in and around my house. I'm lucky enough to see a barn owl very regularly from my windows. There, there is a barn owl's nest just nearby. And I think the barn owls have been very hungry this year, particularly when there was snow on the ground, because normally they would hunt at night. But we saw them out in the daylight. Very large, very pale coloured birds. Very impressive. And is it true, Christine, that um, owls, you can't hear them, that they fly silently? Is that true of barn owls or...? I don't know, Sheena. I don't know. I certainly haven't heard it flying. Right. But they, they move very, you know, quietly so that the mice and the little animals are not aware of them. I, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised to hear that, but I didn't know that. So let me say a little bit about um, trees and, and flowers. So where I live, I within a very short walk, I'm in quite a large wood and the trees there are oak trees. Um, there are lots of oak trees in the United Kingdom. In fact, if you go back in history, a large part of the United Kingdom was covered in trees and the oaks, I think, were the most common. There are beech trees, there are sycamore trees, Horse chestnut trees, those are the ones that produce what are called conkers. A conker is like a large nut that falls off the trees in the autumn. And in our front garden, we have a beautiful willow tree. It's called a weeping willow because the branches hang right down and it's almost as if it's crying. Weeping is another word for, for crying. And then quickly, one or two flowers. Uh, we get snowdrops um, uh, in the in the woods where I go and walk there as well. There are some wild daffodils. Those are very common uh, yellow flowers with quite a large head to them. Uh, foxgloves, which is a beautiful um, wild flower, um, which, as the name suggests, is a bit almost looks like a glove. It's um, and it, it's a kind of pinky, purpley colour, rather, rather beautiful one. And then finally, bluebells. And I need to say that because 
in our woods, we get beautiful bluebells. That's later. That's at the uh, later in the spring, in the kind of April, May period, the bluebells come out. And as the name suggests, they are the flowers are blue and they are in the shape of bells. There's an expression which is often used, which is a carpet of bluebells, because when the bluebells come out, it's as though the whole woods, the floor of the woods has been covered in a blue carpet. It is beautiful. And so we have woods here with bluebells and we have wild garlic mm -hmm. as well. So it smells like garlic and it's got green leaves and, and pretty white flowers. So that's quite common here. Sheena, what about you? What about around you? The one thing I have here in my garden that you haven't mentioned is a lot of sparrows. This last summer, because of the um, the lockdown, because everything was quieter, we had more birds than we've ever had before, including lots and lots of sparrows nests. So we had about maybe, um, more than 20 sparrows in the garden and we, we still have them now. So even though they're not a very exotic bird, they're brown and speckled and small. Uh, the other thing that I really like in our garden is here in Yorkshire is we have some wrens, which are a very tiny little bird. Again, I'm afraid not very exotic to look at. It's got a nice rusty brown colour though, very tiny, with a tail, a small, short, short tail that, that sticks up in the air. So that's how I can always recognise them. And then the other birds that we have a lot of here, we do have starlings and blackbirds. And the blackbirds regularly uh, breed in our garden here as well. We have male and female blackbirds. And um, and what I like about them is um, to watch them in the garden because they stamp on the grass. I don't know whether your birds do this, Mark. So they stamp on the grass so it, it appears as if it's raining so the worms will come up. Mm. So Sheena, tell us a bit about another part of the country and what might be different there or what you've seen there. Well, another part of the country that I go to quite regularly is Shropshire. And, and Shropshire is on the border with Wales. It's in the Midlands and it's on the border with Wales. So it, it's very much a, a farming county, really, with little market towns around. So the towns are not as big as we have in West Yorkshire. And so the thing that I was always surprised about in, in Shropshire was the amount of badgers. There seemed to be badgers everywhere. If I drove down there on a Friday evening at the side of the road, you would often see the badgers. They're about the size of a dog and they have black and white stripes. So it's something that I've always associated with the countryside. The other animals that we have there that we can see from the house, which I don't have here, are hares, brown hares. They disappeared for some time. I think they were hunted. But we had a foot and mouth, I think maybe 10 years ago, foot and mouth crisis. And the country people were no longer walking in the countryside and the hares have reappeared and they're doing very well now. 
you say foot and mouth, Sheena. Can you explain what that is? Oh, sorry. Yes, it was a disease that affected cattle. And I think it was passed by their hooves, by, by, by on their feet, and presumably through their breaths as well if it was called foot and mouth but it was a terrible crisis where a lot the farms were had to all be, be gated and shut you weren't allowed to go near any of the farms or or walk through the areas and a lot of the a lot of the cattle had to be killed hmm. I, re I remember it well it, it that was when we got deer came back into the woods here I didn't see deer before the foot and mouth crisis but ever since then there have been raw deer in the woods here right so i think it was because the countryside was quieter that these mm -hmm. animals began to emerge again and yes. the the other birds that um i used to see a lot in in Shropshire that i didn't see so much here but i think we have them up here now a lot more were buzzards there was always pairs of buzzards flying around in the sky sort of big majestic birds often on on posts and at the side of the road you would see that they were very very common what's changed there now is that uh, red kites have been reintroduced to the area so where once there was the buzzards flying these dark birds now you can often see red kites who look slightly different because as the name suggests they, they they look quite red at times when the sun catches them and the big difference is they have a forked tail so you can see the difference perhaps it's worth just saying that the uh, general name that we use for that type of bird we call them birds of prey um, and I think, I don't know technically what the definition of a bird of prey is, but they are large and they feed on other animals. They, their prey is very often mice and even rabbits and uh, larger, larger animals and fish actually as well mm -hmm. for some of them as well. So, but certainly buzzards and uh, red kites are examples of birds of prey. Yeah, that's interesting. You're talking about birds of prey. And I'm going to take you up to Scotland for a bit, because in Scotland we have birds of prey as well, and particularly the golden eagle, which is the largest bird of prey in the UK. They're not common, but there are places where they, where you can expect to see them. They will catch as well as mice. They'll catch larger animals too, rabbits. And, and there are fish eagles in Scotland as well. And they do, they catch fish. I've seen them. So Scotland is, I mean, it's quite a large country and there are very different parts uh, of Scotland. With, but a lot of Scotland is quite wild and high ground mountains. And there you see red deer. That's what Scotland's known for, these quite large deer. And the males have impressive horns, red deer. And the name tells you the colour. Of course, not bright red, but a distinct reddish brown and interestingly the squirrels in Scotland most of Scotland they're also red they're the original native UK squirrel is a red squirrel um, it was a, I don't know how many hundred years ago that the grey squirrels came in and, and, and the red squirrels have now been pushed out to just a few places in the country, but quite a lot in Scotland. 
There are some other um, animals that are typically Scottish, wild animals. There is actually a wild cat. I mean, they are very rare. I have never seen one. I have been very lucky. And when I was on the Isle of Mull in Scotland, I saw three wild cats. Wow, that's so unusual. They are it's... very rare. They are like cats. They look like tabby cats. That's a word for the grey and black striped cat. They look like that, but they're fierce and they're very shy. Um, so they, they used to be quite common in Scotland, but they're not now. It's only few lucky people like Sheena who ever get to see them. The landscape, as I said, is, is a bit wilder. A lot of it is moorland, countryside without trees on it, with just peat bogs and also heather. That's a flower or it's a, it's a shrub with a purple or white flower. And in Scotland, you often see whole hillsides covered in heather. And at certain times of the year when the heather is blooming, it really is quite beautiful. We do we do get heather here in Yorkshire as we well, do, don't indeed. we? You're right, it, it is very beautiful. It's, it's, um, it's white heather is considered good luck. And and that's that's later in the year, isn't it? That's kind of August, September time, I would say. I think so, yes, later in the year. The trees you get in Scotland are very similar to the trees here, but also out you know in in the uplands and the wilder parts there's scots pines which are a kind of uh, conifer an evergreen tree with a tall bare trunk um, and the branches of the needles are all at the top near the top of the tree quite distinctive looking um, scots pines also in scotland i see hares which i don't see here I also see badgers and foxes. There are also, I, in fact, I sometimes see them here, other small mammals called stoats and weasels, which actually I have seen here in Yorkshire, but I'm much more likely to see them in Scotland. What do, what do they look like, well, Christine? I would say they're like a, a mouse that's been stretched <laughs> because they have, they have a long body and quite pointed, pointed noses and ears. They have a, a relative called a pine marten, which is a much, much larger animal. They're, they're quite rare in the UK, but you, you do get them in Scotland. Of course, the, the wildflower that Scotland is known for is the thistle. That's one of the emblems of Scotland, but they usually have a purple flower that sort of the petals sprout up from a green um, bulge. And they often have prickles so that you could hurt yourself on a thistle. Now, often when I go to Scotland, I go to the coast. And in fact, I go out in my boat. I have a sea kayak, so I actually go out to sea or, or paddle along the coast anyway. And there I see quite different animals and birds and fish, of course. There are many, many different seabirds that come, they live out at sea, but they come to the cliffs, um, they come to land to breed in the springtime. So they're only there for a few short months, but when they're there, they're spectacular because they come in huge numbers. 
And I'm going to say the names of some of these birds, but I'm not going to describe them all to you. One's called ox, and they are guillemots, razorbills, and puffins. And I am going to describe the puffin to you because it's such a funny looking bird. It's a little black and white bird with orange webbed feet and a big beak that's, that's stripy. It's very funny. And you only see them in in the late spring, early summer, uh, when they come uh, they come to land. There are also skewers and terns, and then the great, the largest uh, seabird of all, gannets. As I was brought up as a child, I just thought they were all seagulls, because that's the common name for seabirds, seagulls. It's only been as I've um, spent more time at sea in my sea kayak, I've learned to tell the difference between them all. As well as seeing birds on the sea, of course, there are animals that live in the sea. Um, there are seals. So we have seals in many of the waters around the coast of the United Kingdom. They're quite big, actually. They're bigger than most dogs, but of course they don't look like dogs because they, they're just round, long, round balloons is what they look like. Um, and they, they're brilliant swimmers. And then when they come onto land, they're quite clumsy. They sort of lollop onto the land and they're brownie or grey looking. And usually what all you see is just their head popping out of the water. If you're lucky, you will see otters. They're animals. Um, they too have long bodies and tails like the stoats and weasels and pine martin, but they are at one in the water. They, they swim and they fish, they catch fish. If you're very, they're shy animals and they're difficult to spot, but if you're lucky, you may see them playing in the seaweed. Well, I quite often see jellyfish and there are many different kinds. They're very beautiful, just like blobs of jelly, really. But you can see them being, they get, they're washed around in the sea. Some of them, a few of them have long tentacles below them and a few of them are poisonous. We also have porpoises and dolphins. So they look. They, they leap out of the water, you can see them. Uh, and there are whales. There are whales and sharks. Um, not many of them. And they're, they don't, but in the very north or the very uh, west, in the very wild places, you sometimes see whales, more so in the winter. We have orca in the Northern Islands, in Orkney and Shetland. They're killer whales. So they're those black and white creatures. And finally in Scotland, Scotland of course is known for salmon and, and also trout. They're fish which live most of their life in the sea but then uh, when it's time to breed they swim inland, they swim up the rivers and breed um, inland in lochs and so Scotland's known for its salmon. Very interesting, Christine. Uh, a lot of some of those things, of course, are common throughout the, the United Kingdom in the coastal areas. 
although I'm sure quite a lot of that uh, sea life is probably more common in yeah. the out in the off the Scottish coast than it is elsewhere. Although even recently um, there was a whale that came up the River Thames into London, um, so it, it it you can get some of that wildlife even in other parts of this country mm. as well. And it's true what you say is quite true, Mark. I mean, I have seen just this last year I saw puffins um, and the guillemots and razorbills I mentioned in Yorkshire. You know, on the Yorkshire coast. So you don't have to go as far as Scotland to see them. Language support. This is the part of the podcast where I choose a few words and phrases from the episode and explain them. So today, because we were talking about wildlife, we often wanted to express quantities or amounts of wildlife without using precise numbers. So I'm going to talk to you about some of the different ways in which you can do that. So we, for example, didn't talk about there being a hundred sparrows in the garden we said there were lots of sparrows in the garden, or you can say a lot of. You can use, either use a lot of or just lots of. Now it's important that you use of with lots, so it has to be lots of or a lot of. And there are other expressions like that. So you can talk about plenty of. You can talk about a great deal of, a large number of, or you could say a huge number of. Now Christine in fact said of the seagulls they came in huge numbers. Now she didn't use, have to use of there because she'd used that expression, they came in huge numbers, but if she'd wanted to say huge numbers of seabirds, then she would have had to use the of. Then there is the word many. You don't use of with many. So again, we, we talked about many different seabirds many different kinds of jellyfish. Now the of there goes with the kind, kind of, type of, but not with the many. So you could have just said many jellyfish. And then there is the idea of something being common. That is, in a particular area you would find lots of a particular form of wildlife, it was common in that area. And we used that to talk about red squirrels. Christine said they used to be quite common. So that meant in the past there were quite a few of them in the United Kingdom, whereas today you only really get them in Scotland. 
that word quite is a useful qualifying word. So you can say quite common, quite large, quite a lot. So quite will make the amount slightly less. If you want to emphasise it being even more, you would say very. So you could say something was very common. You could talk about very large numbers of. Then on the other side of things, if you want to express the idea that there weren't very many of them, then you can use the negatives. So you could say not many. You can say not a lot. You can say they're not common. But also there are some words you can use specifically for small numbers. So you can say a few. There were a few of them. And then the other one that you can use, which is the opposite of common, is rare. And Christine talked about the wild cats being in Scotland being very rare. So rare means there are very few of them. It's the opposite of common. And then there's the word some, which can either be used when you don't know the quantity or where you want to say something which is more than one or two, but it's not a lot. So Sheena, for example, she said, we have some wrens in our garden. So that's a bird. It will be more than one or two, but it's not a lot. So she's using some. And finally, with questions, you can use any. So you can say, are there any flowers in your garden? And you don't know, the answer might be very few, it might be a lot. But the question is, are there any in your garden? So there's a few words there that help you to talk about quantities or amounts of things without using precise numbers. That's it for this week. Um, if you want to know more about how to get the transcript and how to contact us, then stay listening and we'll give you information about the website, email address and so on. Otherwise, we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye for now. find the transcript, that's the written version of this episode, on our website www.staugustinescentrehalifax.org.uk and that's where you can also find links to all the other episodes and the transcripts so you can listen and read along at the same time. That's also where you can find out how to donate to help our work. We are a charity supporting particularly refugees, asylum seekers and migrants, but also all those in need in our local area. And uh, we would welcome your support if you felt able to give it. 
if you follow on the website the links to get involved and donate. We also have an email address that's English for Life in the UK at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you, your thoughts on our podcast and ideas for the future. We also have a Twitter account at Esol Saint, and there is additional material on that site. I'll spell out all those addresses. So the website www.s-t-a-u-g-u-s-t-i-n-e-s-c-e-n-t-r-e-h-a-l-i-f-a-x.org.uk so that's the website. The email is English for Life in the UK at gmail.com and that's English for spelt F O R. And finally, the Twitter account is at capital E S O L capital S A I N. Tea.